sleeping so really I'm, uh, a little loopy yeah which maybe is a good thing mm-hmm. my defenses are, are, are you, down are Am you I, anxious about something or are you well i mean diana was here for 10 days and it throws my whole routine off and you know we end up going to bed late talking and i can't sleep past eight o'clock even if i go to bed at like three right i i'm up at eight seven thirty eight i just can't sleep in how do you so, stay up during the day i take a nap oh okay yeah i'm good at naps thank god but it's caught up to me and then you get to that point where you're so tired you're you just can't sleep yeah you know that that yeah. state so i'm afraid of that well i hope that's not gonna last for the next week <laughs> i know and I, I need my mojo got a big workshop coming up uh-huh Power and practice of deep feeling. Thursday, how you feeling about it? I feel good. I feel you ready. Do? Yeah. You feel ready? Yeah. I'm. Uh, I'm excited. I have to. I have to pack today. But yeah, I'm coming on Tuesday. Tuesday, I'll be picking you up at the airport, and uh, we will then plan. Well, we've been planning, but put the final touches mm-hmm. on the plans. And uh, work our magic. Angela. How are you feeling about it? Uh, I'm feeling pretty relaxed about it. I'm yeah. most concerned about the logistics. The logistics, you know, knowing that the food's all good and mm-hmm. we have everything we need. But I, I think that's all under control. I got the uh, mats today. The yeah, the floor mats. Uh-huh. I ordered uh, 54 too many. They delivered 75. There's, oh. uh, there was uh, four in a pack. I thought it was like, you know, I, th- I needed 75 of these mats to create like oh. 650 square feet for the mm-hmm. space. And, uh, but they're in packs of four. So I ordered uh, way can, too many. Can you return them? I already did. Oh. Mm-hmm. All right. But it was a whole thing. But no, we're under control, I think. And... Uh, Talked to Anne, by the way. Oh. I didn't talk to her. We exchanged emails. She said yeah. yes to the equipment. She did? She did. Wow. And she thinks she, that uh, I will be sell, there. Sell them, sell her stuff. She's willing, yeah, to mm-hmm. sell, I mean, some of it. She right. okay. speculated that she probably wouldn't be doing anything at that scale again. So we can, you know, grab pillows and uh, mattresses and... A block or two and batakas, whatever we need. Mm. So that's great. Okay. And uh, I told her that I may be driving into L.A. over Christmas, that I could pick them up. Mm-hmm. Or, Angela, maybe you could pick them up and drive them out to Austin since you will be uh, hiring a moving truck. What's happening, Angela? Tell us the big news. It's a big announcement, people. Big announcement. We've been putting it off. You've been waiting, wondering. And it's here today. Angela's big news. We're all excited. We're all excited. What's the news, Angela? Tell us. The news is that my husband and I are moving to Austin. 
Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Wow. In January. Wow. Yeah, I didn't want to say anything until we got the mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got the mortgage this week. Congratulations. Thank you. And um, yeah, I mean, we're clo- I'm, I'm closing when I get there. You know, we're wow. meeting the, or I am meeting the people that you signed the papers for to close on the house. And, and you and I are signing a lease on a space that's three minutes from my house. <laughs> three minutes? Yeah. Wow. It's a three minute drive. It's a 15 minute walk and it's a, like 11 or 10, 10 minute bike ride or something like that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I knew you were close, but I didn't realize it was that close. Yeah. We got a space. Yeah, we got a space here in Austin. And we're moving in December 1st. And then, people, we're open for business. So uh, come on down to Austin, Texas, and feel your feelings <laughs> with Dave and Angela. Scream and yell and cry. Kill your mother and your father. You could do it all in one day. Maybe take a couple of days, do your mother on one day and then your father the next. All right. Mm Mm-hmm. How's it feel? I mean, the the actual move feels Mm -hmm. good. It feels right. It feels uh, like this was exactly what was supposed to happen. Um, I mean, I can tell the story about how this all transpired. Um. But I will just say that in the moment, I feel mostly, you know, I um, I think my all, all of my feelings right now are around telling people, mm-hmm. um, like saying it on this podcast, telling my family, telling my clients. I've told most of my friends. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I have... I have feelings around around that aspect of it. Um, you haven't yet told your family or your clients. Not Is that yet. Correct. Mm-hmm. Not yet. Um, I wanted to wait, you know, until until it was a, uh, the mortgage was approved. But I also, you know, like especially with my family, I think I, you know, I, I keep on going through my head and asking for like, how should we tell them? Like, you know, that it's, uh, what expectations should I have? You know, I, I guess I'm, I'm just scared, you know, I'm scared. Of what? Um, of their judgment, of their disappointment, of, um, their anger, of, um, what I'm going to feel, I, I'm not sure, you know. What judgment do you imagine? Angela, you're so selfish, you know, you're just, you just think about yourself. Um, you don't really care about us and um, you don't really love us. And so, yeah, and I guess, I guess it's another layer of I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get shut out. Mm. And so, um, but I, you know, it's, it's not the intensity that it was, you know, I can tell, like, I, I feel, I feel a little scared, but not 
overly so. You know, there's part of me that actually feels, I guess because this feels like such a, um, the right thing for us. I mean, both Ferd and I are really excited and we just, we feel the goodness of what we're doing right now. And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, who knows what's going to happen in the future? I don't know, but, um, it just feels right for right now. And that's, that feels like a, a we haven't had that feeling, um, for a long time. It hasn't felt right that we've been where we've even been in, in the apartment that I live in right now. And we've looked in many different places, but at, at least in LA, um, and nothing has ever felt right. But maybe I should go back and, you know, just say a little bit about how this, this transpired. Yes. So I had the, I was in the accident that Jan and I were both in where we were um, in a parked car. We got rear-ended by a drunk driver. You know, we had the whole fight. You know, for people who haven't listened to the other podcasts, you know, you can go back and listen to my version and Jana's version of that. Um, and in the podcast that we did, you asked if I had made any meaning from it. And I hadn't really made any meaning from it at that point because it just happened, maybe like three days before. Um, but shortly after that, um, I was I was actually I was looking at um, uh, you know, I'm interested in human design and which is uh, for those of you who don't know, it's a it's a system that's based in astrology and the I Ching and chakra system and Kabbalah and, um, Sounds weird. It's weird, but it's cool, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I like it. And so anyway, I was reading something about it, um, and it said something about my my chart, um, which said I have uh, this tendency to take on other people's fears and to not let go of things, um, that to hold on to things uh, for too long that, that no longer serve me. And when I read that, I just thought, obviously, you know, yes, that's true you know, and, and I immediately thought, oh, the fears that I take on are furds, you know, and um, that when I do that, I then I tend to hold on to things for too long. It was just my immediate thought. It wasn't necessarily the truth. You know, it just was, I mean, it, partially true, but in the moment, I could feel that I was blaming furd for, right. for, it's for it's It's furd's fault. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, in my conscious mind at like in my mature adult place i thought to myself angela do not talk about this with ferd right now and um so then <laughs> i went out to you know we were we were hanging out and i couldn't help myself and i just started i was like you know ferd i think that you know you have some fear that like and when you have this fear I think I take it on for uh, for myself, and and you know you have this tendency to want to hang on for to things for too long. You know you do that. You, we have like you have a million bags, and like he has so many bags, bags galore. <laughs> and we have this thing where I'm like, you have to get rid of your bags, like suitcases, uh, backpacks. They're just all sorts of bags, and they take up space. 
And so anyway, that's just one of the things. And I was thinking, I, I, and I said to him, I was like, you, you have to learn to let go of these things. And of course, you know, Ferd being Ferd gets pissed, you know, <laughs> as he should. Yeah. Um, and he was like, what are you talking about? Where is this coming from? What do you, what, why are you bringing this up right now? And I just said, I just think it's something that we need to talk about and we need to address this. And so he said, well, what about you? What about your fear? What about the things that you hold on to? And I was, I was, you know, we got into this thing. It was a, it was a big fight. And eventually I took my blanket and my pillow and I went out to the couch and I was like, I'm not sleeping with you. (laughs) And so I sat out there and and I, you know, obviously knew, I was like, what are you doing, Angela? Like, what is, you know, this is, this is for you. That, that message was for you, not for Ferd. And so he comes out and he's still mad. And he's, he was like, you know, this is, this is really about you, Angela. What is going on? And I, so I said, I said, yeah, you're right. This is about me. Um, I I have been scared about something and I you know I ha- I do hold on to things for too long and I think that there's a part of me that's afraid that if I if I really let go of these things then somehow I will lose you. And I know that that doesn't make any rational sense, but there's some part of me that's always afraid that when I really make big changes I'm going to lose you, you know, in the process. And he said, "Well, uh, I mean, I, I, I guess it depends on what it is that you're letting go of. But he said it might be true. But what is it that you think that you really need to let go of right now? And I said, well, obviously, I need to let go of the car. You know, the car's totaled. It's gone. And that was something where years ago I had this thought, like, which, you know, that was my first car ever that I've owned. And I'd Did never... Did you get a new car yet? Not yet. When, oh. when I get to Austin. But um, that was the first time that I'd ever thought, um, oh, it's time for me to get a new car. I just I just had this feeling like it was time. And when I brought it to when I when I talked to Ferd about it, I don't remember the conversation that we had, but somehow I ended up staying with the car and was like, okay, it's a Honda. It's going to last forever. I might as well wait for it to die, you know. So so I had intermittent thoughts like that um, about the car, just as I had had thoughts about that around our apartment. I Like a few years ago, I just had this feeling like it's time for us to leave. But, you know, based on uh, the conversation that we had, and we, we did start looking, you know, for places um, in LA, um, there was still always this kind of fear that pervaded the discussion and um whether it was his fear or my fear doesn't really matter it was but it was there and in some way we we were colluding with each other you know mm-hmm. I, and yeah. um and so um in this conversation that we we had i i just said to him i was like i i think it's time i think it's really time that like, I have to get out of this apartment. And I, I don't know, like, how you feel about this. But I think that my fear has kept me here for a long time, longer than I think 
we should have been here, you know, but definitely it's, it's, it's time. And I'm afraid that if you don't feel the same way that we're going to go in different directions. And he said, no, I, I feel the same way. Yeah, I'm scared, but I, but I, I definitely, I, the question is where, where do we go? I mean, we've been looking for years and we just, we, we haven't found a place. And I said, well, I, like, let's just look. And so he said, okay. And, you know, he, he did talk about his fear and I talked about mine and, and he said, well, maybe we should start praying every day, which was a little surprising to me because that's not something that we do regularly. And it's definitely not something that Ferd would uh, suggest. Um, like, it's not something that we've, he's, well, he's suggested it on occasion, but it's pretty rare for him to do that. And for him to say, let's pray every day. Like, I could feel the seriousness of it. So, um, so the next day, the next, uh, yeah, the next, oh, so this, that night, um, he, so he, he said, come back to bed. And I said, okay, but hold on, like, let me just have some time by myself for a few minutes. And he, he went, he went into the bedroom and I, I stayed out there because I could feel that this place in me that needed to let go of things that no longer served me, the feeling that I had in my body was one of those feelings where it's like, something's going to change now. Like, and I, I wanted to anchor that that feeling in me. Um, and because I knew it was like the fear could kind of get the, the best of me. And, and then I could, you know, it could be another year and we're still in this apartment kind of thing. And I was like, no, that's, that, that's not what's going to happen. Something's, something's going to change. And I am um, willing to let go of what, whatever, uh, whatever the things are that need to be let go of. And so the next morning, uh, we woke up. Well, that the next day, I started looking immediately, like, you know, Zillow and um, just to see what was available um, in terms of housing. I started looking at open houses for the weekend. I was like, okay, I'm going to go, you know. In L.A. In L.A., like to rent, to buy, it didn't, didn't matter to me. I just was looking for anything that looked like it was something possible for us to live in. And so um, that day was the day that there, there was an announcement that the vaccine mandates were happening. And um, when I read the, the news article that Ferd showed me, I, you know, I knew that they were coming, but, and I, I wasn't feeling, I don't, I don't know, it was like, okay, it's a thing that's probably going to come. But I didn't really have a lot of feelings around it because I just thought mostly they're going to close the gyms and the um, like concert halls and and movie theaters, like that kind of thing to people who aren't vaccinated. But then when I read that it was restaurants as well, I had this jolt of fear that came into my body. And I just imagined that I was I'm hanging out with some friends and, you know, we're we're all hungry and we want to go to a restaurant and suddenly, you know, I'm the only one who's not allowed to go in. And I felt this 
it was a fear and also this feeling of, I think it was it was I was angry it's like what I can't go into a restaurant now I'm 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 not welcome you know that that's kind of the I, I guess that was the phrase that went on in my head. I was like, I'm not welcome. Yeah, a totalitarian force will make you angry. It's reasonable. <laughs> so so then I immediately went to my computer. And uh, about six months ago, um, out of the blue, Ferd had said to me, like, we were, I, I don't even know, we weren't talking about anything like housing or moving or any of that. He just says out of the blue, hey, I, I'm not open to living in Austin. I do not want to move to Austin. I'm, that's, that's not something, that's not a possibility I want to consider. And I was like, like, it just came out of the blue, you know? So I was like, okay, weirdo. Like, I don't know why you're saying this all of a sudden. Are you trying to say you want to live in Austin? <laughs> Is that what that means? Because that's what it sounds like you're saying. So, so that day, the vaccine mandate news day, I immediately go to the computer and I Google Austin housing. And because I know that you're here, you're there. And, and also that it's like, okay, the likelihood of there being a vaccine mandate in Austin may be much lower. It's illegal. So, so yeah, so I, and we had already planned to make a trip to Flagstaff, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, again, something that Ferd had suggested out of the blue. He was like, hey, what about Flagstaff? And so we'd had this pl- trip planned to go the following week. But I was, I, I'd already looked at a bunch of places in Flagstaff. And then, so I just decided, you know, I was looking at Austin. And I immediately saw these houses that were beautiful, that were at a price that in LA, like I, there was no way we could be able to get something that nice for the amount of money um, that we would have to pay, you know? So, um, so then I, I just decided, I was like, okay, we're, we're obviously not moving to Austin for it's not open to it. So um, the next day, we wake up and Ferd actually wakes up before me, which is unusual. And, and he's, he tells me that he's scared. And I was like, Oh, what are you scared of? And he said, I'm scared. We're going to make a mistake. And I said, I, I think the only mistake that we can make at this point is if we stay in this apartment, I don't care where we go. It, you know, it, it could be anywhere, you know, even if we rent the, the place next door, uh, it, like we just have to get out of this apartment. And so then he said, okay. And I said, maybe now would be a good time to pray. And so we say this prayer and in the prayer, Ferd says, um, please help me to be open to where, wherever you want us to be. And so, um, that morning, um, he had to take me to the doctor's office because I was still getting my head checked from the car accident and just wanted to make sure that there wasn't anything going on with it. So he took me to the uh, doctor's office um, and he was waiting for me and I came out and he was sitting at this coffee beanery, but he was sit- he was sitting outside and across the street was a grocery store and I 
I decided that I was going to get some groceries before, you know, before we went back home. So I just tell him that. And I, I say, I'll, I'll be right back. And he says, how about Austin? And I said, what? <laughs> I thought you were close to Austin. And he said, well, you know, I did pray to stay open uh, to wherever God wants us to be. And today I got this email from this art gallery in Austin. And I don't know, just thought, why not? Why, why wouldn't we just go check it out? And so I hadn't told him that I had gone to look at those listings the day before, but I was excited. I was like, okay. And he said, well, what if we go to Austin instead of Flagstaff next week? And I said, oh, okay, but, you know, it's, um, it's a seven hour, because we were going to drive to Flagstaff. It's seven hours to Flagstaff. I was like, it's, I think it's like a 20-hour drive to, to Austin. And he said, that's okay. And I said, well, not really, because we have basically like four days. So it would be two days there, two days back. And he said, okay, well, you know, maybe, maybe Thanksgiving or Christmas or something we could go. And I said, yeah, um, okay, let's, let's think about that. So later on that day, I was on the phone with Jana. And um, Jana has a vested interest in not me not moving to Flagstaff, she says, because there's no airports that fly directly to Flagstaff. And she does not like that. Right. <laughs> so, so she says, why don't you just look up some um, to, to see if there are any flights to Austin? And I said, I, yeah, but it's going to be crazy. I mean, it's a week out. She said, well, just look. And so I go and I, I look at flights to Austin from LAX, and there are $72 round-trip tickets. And so... God is I, on your side. <laughs> so I yell out. I'm, I'm sitting at my computer. I yell out to Ferd in the other room. I was like, Ferd, there's $72 round-trip tickets to Austin next week. And he says, book them. I was like, are you serious? And he said, yeah, book them. So we booked the flights. We don't, you know, the only people that we know are you and our friend Tony. And so he calls his friend Tony immediately. And his friend Tony, you know, is like, oh, yeah, come on, you know. And, and then I text you and I say, hey, do you want to do our podcast next week in person? <laughs> mm-hmm. And so you graciously offer uh, to to host us staying there and we get a rental car it all happens very quickly like within 24 hours so everything's all set up and um our friend tony um says that he has a realtor who's a friend of his who he could hook us up with so he he does and when we're at the airport i call the realtor and the realtor says, oh, great, you know, you're, you're going to be here. Why don't we get together tomorrow and, you know, we can talk and I'll, I'll ask you some questions and, you know, point you in some, some directions. So, so the next day we go and we meet the realtor, Clark, and um, he, he basically, you know, he, he sh- gives us a map of, of Austin, tells us where we should be looking based on the things that we've told him. And he says, well, you know, you probably just, you know, since it's your first time really exploring here, you probably just want to drive around to these different neighborhoods and just check it out and just see what, how you feel and what it, what it feels like. And 
you know, he's giving us the very low pressure sales job right now. And I'm, I'm thinking, this is not what I want. And uh, I said, yeah, you know, that that's a good idea, Clark, but I'm, I'm really interested in looking at some houses, you know, and you know, we, Ferd and I, we are super open right now to whatever wants to come, you know, and, and so we're, and he, so he says, is it possible that you would put an offer down on a house this, this weekend? And I said, anything's possible, Clark, (laughs) anything's possible. And so the next day he sends us a listing of all the different houses and we go, we just start looking. And we automatically, I mean, the first house that we see, we're like, this is a great house. And the, the uh, real, uh, actually, when we go in, there's somebody working in the house. And um, the guy tells us that an hour ago, somebody just made an offer on that house. So we were like, oh, okay. So then we, we see a few more houses. And then, um, you know, it's that thing where, you know, we've, I've asked many people who have bought houses before, uh, what is it, how do you know when you found the right house? And it's like when somebody says, how do you know if this is the right person to marry? They always say, you just know. You just, when you walk in, mm-hmm. you'll know. And I've been into many houses and sometimes I'm like, is this the house? Is this how I'm supposed to feel? Like, is this the feeling that people are talking about? But when I walked into this house, this this house that we we just bought it wasn't like the the thought wasn't this is the house it was it was just i was walking around the house as if it was my house mm-hmm. and i could tell something was different i started taking pictures i was you know just like it felt comfortable for me to be there everything that i saw i loved it was like it, we it just felt good and so, and it felt good, not just to me, but to Ferd too. Like we both had similar feeling. So then, you know, we go around to some other houses and we actually see another house that is bigger, um, around the same price. Um, but, you know, like on paper, it would have made more sense for us to buy that house. And in fact, you know, when, I, when we showed you the, that house, you were like, of course you would buy this house. But we, you know, we kept going back to that other house. Like, I don't know. There's something about this house that we really love. It was the trees. It was the the backyard. There was something really sweet about the whole feeling of it. And so, um, so then we go back to that house with you, and um, we want we we. I, I think you. We had asked you if you wanted to come see yeah. the house. Yeah. And you, we walk in and I had, I thought I'd lost my sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Like I, I couldn't find them in my car and your, your place. I couldn't find mm-hmm. them anywhere. And I thought I'd lost them. And we walked in the house. My sunglasses were sitting on the kitchen counter. Mm-hmm. And you said something like, just like a woman to leave her stuff in a place she wants to make a home in. Right. <laughs> But it really felt like a sign. I, like I, we, I saw it. You saw like it was the whole. It was like whoa, yeah. you know. So then um, at the end, like you know, we're we're about to leave the house, and we're like, okay, so Clark, what's the next move? 
if we want to make an offer, what, you know, what do we do now? And he says, well, you know, three months ago, uh, you know, a house like this probably would have had 20, 30 offers, you know, and so we just have to call and find out from the other agent, you know, how many offers there are, if there are any offers. So he calls and there are no offers that have been made, but he's expecting at least a couple the following day. And so, you know, this whole process has been, it was, it's like wild, you know, so now we're like putting, thinking about putting an offer down on a house in Austin, you know, <laughs> after like a week of considering the idea of living in Austin. And, and I was a yes instantly. You were an yes. Yeah. Which you, well, I bought a house, right? So I, and I looked at a lot of houses before I bought the one that I bought back in LA and I got to the point where I just walk in one second. No, 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 no. And then you walk in, you're like, this is it. Mm. It, it that's what it is. If there's I, contemplation, if there's like, well, as soon as you rationalize, no. Right. It, you know right away. And as soon as we went to that other house, and I was just like, no. You guys are yeah. walking around asking questions. There's no need to ask questions. This isn't your fucking house. <laughs> as soon as I saw it, I'm like, no. <laughs> And then as soon as we went to the other place, I'm like, this is the one. This is it. <laughs> That's how I felt, too. I mean, it was obvious. It was so cute. It's so cute. Which felt so good to me, you know, to, to know that you also agreed. And it was, it was just like, you know, and, and, you know, people we've shown the house are like, yeah, this is the house, you know. So, so we made the offer. And the next day, there were other offers that came in. And the agent texted us and said, or, you know, our agent texted us and said, they want to know if you have any wiggle room. And we were like, wiggle room? Okay, that means that somebody probably came in at a higher price. And that means that, but they want to go with us. And so we gave them an offer they couldn't refuse. And they didn't. And so they accepted our offer. And in the last three weeks, we've been going through the whole mortgage process and we got it you know last uh, on Tuesday and it just has felt this whole process I mean you know there's been some hiccups and um, some frustrations especially for Ferd because he's been taking care of a lot of this this part of the process but you know I guess you remember when we talked about you asked me um you, we talked about ancestors, my ancestors, and that you and Richard Kwan had both said that my ancestors wanted to know what I really wanted and that they were wanting to help me get what I really want. And in that podcast, I had said what I really want is a beautiful house, a beautiful home in a place that we both love. And that was like, what was that? Maybe six weeks ago? Mm-hmm. <laughs> My ancestors work fast. <laughs> yeah, no, they're sitting up there saying, "What's next? What's what's up? What's next? What do you need? What do you want? Let's go. Right. Let's go." Yeah, and so I just feel like this whole thing has been divinely guided, and mm-hmm. um, it just it feels good and it feels right. And you know, and then you would ask me like, "Do you want to get a space when you get here?" And I said, "Yeah, let, let's definitely." I definitely wanted to to do that. And then you went and you found this space almost immediately. It was like a, a beautiful, perfect space for the work that we do. Mm-hmm. 
and in in a place that's three minutes from my house. I mean, I don't, you know, it's, it feels a little too, it's not coincidence, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, we're, we're, we're moving to Austin and, uh, I'm excited. I'm ex- I, I really am excited. Will you be purchasing a firearm once you're here? <laughs> To fit in. Uh, n- no. No. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, Cowboy anything hat, could, anything could change. Yeah, exactly. Barbe- barbecue. I have a, I have a cow- cowboy hat. Do you know how to cook um, brisket? <laughs> These are important uh, not things. Yet. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. How are you feeling right now, having told that story? I actually feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, you know, it reminds me that, you know, stuff like this doesn't just happen. You know, mm-hmm. it's, I do think that we were divinely guided, you know, mm-hmm. we prayed and, you know, the ancestors offered their help and, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it was partially that we wanted to move and we wanted to leave and, and and we were open, um, but the the other part of it, you know, where it feels just like uh, how fast it happened, everything falling into place and finding a home that we both resonated with immediately, like that that kind of thing. I I mean, it, I don't think it comes along very often. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So in this moment, I feel I feel good. I feel grounded. And then you know, every time I think about telling people, um, that's when I kind of go back into the fear. Um, but well, I want to say you said it doesn't come along very often. But maybe if we truly let go, if we really surrender, maybe it comes along all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe it's nonstop. I think that's true. We just get in the way. Mm-hmm. I think that is true. That's what I'm going for. That's what I want to believe. Well, you know, it's so interesting because one of the areas where I've been, I think I've been really stuck for a long time, um, fear, fear-based, ego-based, is in the uh, area of my music. Mm. And... Um, you know, after this happened, you know, and it, the way that it happened and and me really making the commitment to let go of what no longer serves me, I could feel, I was like, okay, Angela, it's time to 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 let go of something here in your music. Like, just just take some actions and, and go forth. And so I submitted a song, uh, a song that I recorded, like, I mean, a song that I wrote 19 years ago, um, but I'd been, <clears throat> I'd been playing around. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> I'd been playing around with it um, in, in the last few months, but I know I could tell that I needed help with it, and I was just procrastinating. And so, anyway, I uh, I submitted my song to a producer, and I I took I found this website that has a bunch of music producers, and I. 
you know, there's like thousands. And I went through and I looked, you know, to see which producer I resonated with. And I found this guy and, um, and I took some time to really think about how I wanted to submit my song to him. And so then I, I did it. And he immediately wrote back and said, I'm sorry, I'm not available. Um, wishing you all the best on your project. And I, I was disappointed, obviously, but more than that, I was mad. And, uh, you know, because I had just taken all this time and uh, to, to, to look and to feel into who would be good for me and, and then take time for the, the writing, the submission. Um, I mean, he doesn't know that, but I, I was, I just was thinking like, wow, what a waste of time, you know? And so, so then I did something that I wouldn't normally do. Normally I would just take that disappointment and then let it feed the part of me that's scared and just be like, forget it. Or, you know, I'll settle for somebody that, that, that I don't really want kind of thing. But I, instead I, I wrote him an email back and I just said, hey, um, I, I, I'm just wondering, what, is it true that you're unavailable? Um, because presumably all these producers on here are available. I don't, I don't really understand this. You're the first person I'm submitting to. Um, am I, is, I don't want to waste my time doing this. Is it, is it that you're unavailable or is it that you're just not interested in working on my song? And so he writes back and he immediately writes back and says, hey, you know, actually, let me take a minute to explain what happens. I mean, basically, he wasn't interested in my song. And mm. then there's an email that goes out that just says, uh, okay, we're going to, um, I, I, I'm, I'm not available, but, you know, good luck. And presumably people who get that email immediately go find another producer to work with because there's thousands of them. Well, you got to tell this guy's got to change that email. That's lame. <laughs> well, just, it's, just he said say, something. Just say, I don't resonate with the song or something. Well, and but you, he's, you, he said that, you know, I mean, I, I, I guess he's been doing this for years, you know, and, and nobody ever writes back right. like this. Right. And so... The um, new Angela. Yeah, the new Doesn't Angela. Doesn't take no. Right. <laughs> And so he, it changed his mind. And he said, you know, based, uh, you know, uh, like he was very respectful of what I had written and that he was actually now very interested in working with me. And mm. he said, well, but here's the thing. Your song is going to need a rewrite. And, um, you know, he asked me some good questions. He, he, he said some things that I thought were really right on for me, the musician, for, for the part of me, my ego, I was like, ugh, I don't want to rewrite the song. I don't want to do any of these things he's saying. Like, I could just feel all the places where I was just a no back, you know, like, just backed up, you know, like, the, there was a, this, this resistance, and, and, it, and it was intense, you know, and then I just could feel the part of me was like, Angela, you got to let go of this now. We're, we're moving on to something new. And I, I told him, I was like, hey, I would love, because he offered to do a Zoom call to discuss further. And I, I said, I would love to do that with you, but let me take some time to think and feel into your questions because they're good. 
and I, I, I really wanted, you know, consider well, also 19 saying. years ago, you were nuts. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. the lyrics that were coming out of you are probably... Well, uh, he's, and he said, you know, this song is coming on 19 years. Maybe that you have a different style. Maybe you exactly. have a different... Uh, you Point know. of view. Yeah, exactly. He And he mm-hmm. called, you know, he said all the things. Right. And he was right. But I had to work with myself mm-hmm. and get myself into a place where I was, I started to be open enough to really consider what he was saying. And I knew mm. that they were true. So then we had the Zoom call a few days ago. And I mean, he's perfect for me, you know, and, and I, he was really excited to work with me. We, we had a whole discussion about, you know, where this could go and what we could be doing. And, and, um, and he, you know, he made, he made me think about some things about in terms of like, Angela, is this just a song for you? Or is this a song to be released into the world, you know? And um, I think based on what I've experienced in my singing songwriting days, I think there was some part of me that got really hurt or really, you know, felt the rejection. And I closed down to the idea of it being released in the world. It was like, okay, I'm just going to do this for myself. And fuck anyone who doesn't like what I do. And in this new place, I could just feel like, no, of course I want people to hear my stuff. And if I want to hear, if I want people to hear my stuff, I'm going to have to open myself to a new way of working and a new way of writing and a new way of thinking. And so we, you know, we agreed to work with each other on this song and we'll see what happens. But the reason I'm saying all of this is because how fast this, mm-hmm. this whole thing happened is exactly what you're saying. Like I opened myself up and I surrendered, you know, just my ego, you know, it's just like, n- no, because I could feel that any place where my ego was going to take over, he wasn't going to be interested, first of all. Right. And, and I wasn't going to be interested because it's boring at this point. There's right. nowhere to go. There's it's it, it doesn't go anywhere, and yeah, you, you know I'm 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 taking some of his suggestions right now, and you know trying to rewrite the song is it's it feels hard and it feels scary, and you know I don't know exactly where I'm going. I don't know exactly what I want to say, but but I can feel the openness of that place, and um, and feeling also that I don't have to know. There's, there's something I don't have to know. Something's going to come to me. It's going to come through me. And, or I'm, I'm, a, I'm opening myself to let it come through me. Well, and you know how to do this. You do it in your work. Yeah, exactly. When we're uh, doing workshops, you're completely surrendered. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really trust it there, you mm-hmm. know. And so I, I'm, I'm learning or I'm wanting to learn how to trust it in all the aspects of my life. Right, right. And, you know, so it, I, it, it can happen very fast. And there's something about that that's also, it's like, whoa, <laughs> you know. Um, but I keep, I keep working with my mind, basically. Like, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's okay. We're, we can do this. We can, mm-hmm. we can move this fast. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's actually not that fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just fast compared to not moving at all. Right, right. So you have a new home. Mm-hmm. You have a space to work out of. 
and you have a producer for your music mm-hmm. that you really like. It's all working out for you. It is. It Sing us really a little good. bit of this song, Angela. Let's hear this song. Just a, <laughs> just a short piece. Let, let the audience, let the world hear your voice. Well, your this is, so it's, but it's to be rewritten, okay? So okay, just this give is, us a little this bit. This is the before. Mm-hmm. Um, 我是中国人, 中国人爱中国。我是中国人, 中国人爱中国。that's that's the first part songs in chinese the first part is in chinese that's cool um so wait let me think of the words here um what does that mean what did you just say yeah hold hold on hold on hold on i I need the lyrics i need to pull up the lyrics (laughs) this is this was unexpected Uh, Mm -hmm. these are the old lyrics or the new lyrics these are the old lyrics Mm -hmm. 19 years ago 19 years ago okay all right, here we go. Let's let's start again. 我是中国人,中国人爱中国. That's the first thing you learn in class. It means, I am Chinese, the Chinese love China. So even if you've never been there, you better fit in fast. They don't put up with talking back or breaking rules, and you're a fool if you think you're going to wear that dress. I told you once, you best think twice because they've sacrificed a lot for you to do what you don't really want to do. Don't put me in your little box. I won't stay. No, I'm a living, breathing paradox. I can play real nice, but I won't do what you say. Wow. That doesn't feel like it needs a rewrite. That's beautiful. It's perfect. Oh, thank you. What a voice you have. What a gift to have a voice like that. Mm. Thank you. It's a beautiful song. I've always felt like you could write a musical. I've heard your music. It just seems like it's perfect. Beautiful. Mm. Because you're a great storyteller in your music. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you came from Broadway, so. Well, that that's one of the things is I, I think I there's something there's something I want to move away from there. You know, I, I want mm-hmm. I want to um, I want to explore some some other part of me. I think I I started there, and it's certainly an influence, but it's it's not the only influence. And I it's it's that there's some some way in which I think. Part of the reason why I wrote the way that I wrote in kind of that musical style was because I I I wanted people to feel me. You know, I wanted it, it was like a a way for me to express myself, and almost a demand that you have to feel me. Mm-hmm. You know, which I kind of think you know, in some way, Broadway musicals are like you know. And so, um, yeah, there's some, some place in me where I, I want to take that demand off. Like, right. you, you know, you don't have to feel me. It's, it's like, I, I just want to, I want to sing something and maybe right. in the song, maybe you'll feel more of yourself in some mm-hmm. way. Like you'll be inspired or you'll, you know, feel something. But I, I, I just, I can feel that I want to, I want to take that off and I want to do it 
in a different way, musically, lyrically, stylistically. I'm not sure exactly what it means, but yeah. Well, it's interesting. The last podcast, we talked about growing up Chinese and your Mm -hmm. relationship to that and your Chinese-ness. And you called me after you listened to the recording. You said, I I feel like I didn't talk about that very well Mm. and I wasn't very clear. But in your music, I haven't heard a lot of your music. I've heard some of your music, Mm -hmm. but what I just heard and your other hit song, 17, what was that one? 15. 15. (laughs) That's what their songs are about. Mm -hmm. About being a young Chinese girl Mm -hmm. and the feeling of that. So Mm -hmm. it comes out in your music, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. It's relatable. Mm. It's amazing. Do you take yourself seriously as an artist? As a songwriter? At some point, I think I did. And then, um, and then it started to shift. Um, I think actually when I, it's so interesting, but when I, when I started doing the, the Broadway show that I did, something started to shift in terms of my my own artistry it was almost like i mean broadway was a dream come true for me you know it's something that i'd always wanted as a kid um but it it did something to me like it it, when you're when you're doing eight shows a week you know the same show every day for years kind of thing you lose something you know and um you know, you have to, you have to be this other character for a long period of time. And, you know, I've, I've shared this before, but after my Broadway debut, I, I got depressed, you know, because it didn't, it didn't solve all the things. And I think, um, you know, part of that might have been the place where I lost my own, where I was starting to, like, get, um, I don't know, have my own thing, have my own style. And, mm-hmm. um, and so then, you know, I, I, I wasn't sure that that this is what I wanted to do anymore. And, and I, and I started to do this work, the work that we do now. Um, and I mean, interestingly, I think in some way it's kind of led me back. Like it, it, it always feels to me like music is that the godfather, you know, like I, I keep trying to get out, but it keeps pulling me back in. And, um, and so I, you know, in some ways I don't think I've, I have taken it seriously in the same way, you know, this producer said to me, like music is kind of like a compulsion, like religion, you know, like God, you know, you, you, you have to keep, you keep getting pulled back in, in some way. And, and I was thinking like, that's probably true, you know, that, that in some way, I haven't taken um, my artistry seriously in the same way that, like, in a lot of ways, I haven't taken God seriously or my my spirituality seriously. And I think that's starting to change. And what would happen, do you think, if you took your music seriously? Um, I think it would become part of my life. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, uh, more people would see this about me. Um, you know, there's some people who don't even know that I 
that music is part of my life, which is a little weird, you know, because it was such a big part. But um, yeah, I guess same similar to my spirituality, like how how much that connection actually means to me, you know, at, at the same time that I'm fighting it. You know, I, I think about my ayahuasca ceremonies mm-hmm. and almost in, I mean, after a while I stopped doing this, but the, the first few ayahuasca ceremonies I did, um, everyone was me against God. And I was going to Every ceremony win. was you against God. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like a fight to the end. And there was no way that I was going to lose. How'd that go? Not well. <laughs> yeah. God always wins. Oh, God. And, and, and that's exactly what I would say at, at the end. I'd be like, okay, okay, you win. You win. You win. And so, yeah, it's like a... I think what would happen, I don't know what would happen. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you you, you surrender, and then eventually, you I mean, you, you move to Austin, you know? Right. And it kind of feels like that in some way. I, I have to let go of what my image is of who I think I am or where I'm supposed to be. And, you know, in, the, in that, it, when I'm in it, like, being in this process of, of moving to Austin, it's it, it's not like I, ha- I haven't been really scared during this process. It's just I've just been in it. Like I've been present to the process. So it's my thinking around it that makes me scared. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I took my artistry seriously, um, I mean, I, I just think I'd, be having a much better time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be more, I'd, I'd be more expressed. I'd what be, do you think about your music, your your songwriting? Like, what do you truly feel about it when you listen to your songs or you sing your songs? I think I'm a good, I think I am a good storyteller. I think mm-hmm. I, I, I think I can write good songs. Um, I think I have a lot more potential that has not been, I have not um, uh, allowed myself to explore. I hear Um, your ancestors going, Angela, you think you're a good songwriter? (laughs) Stop hedging. Um, Okay. That's them saying that, not me. Mm. I'm channeling them. Okay. Okay. It's interesting because uh, the one song that I feel like I've channeled um, is a song that maybe, no, that's not true. I I feel like I channeled a couple songs, but the main one is, is the one where my ancestors speak through me. Mm. Um, But yeah, um, I guess I don't think of myself as a good songwriter. Really? Yeah. I, I I guess I feel like I've, I've it's just something that I've loved and it's it's a uh-huh. way for me to express myself and it's uh um it's something that I want to be good at you know but 
I don't know. I just, I, I guess, I, I you're guess not I, in, you're not in reality here at really? all. No, I mean, I, I do feel like I have the potential to be really good, but I, I don't that I really feel like there's some way in which I'm like, I, and maybe you're right. Maybe this the is the thing just you kind just of, sang was just like a perfect, beautiful little poem. Hmm. It's, it's perfect. And when you sang that song 15 for the first time at some event mm-hmm. for Radical Aliveness, the keyboard was out, it, everybody was looking around going, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? People were blown away. Mm. It was so good. It was so touching. Mm. And it came out of you so easily. Mm, that's true. And this is what I'm saying. I guess, you know, in the moment when I'm in it and I'm mm-hmm. writing it and it's coming out, it's awesome. It's exciting. It's like, mm-hmm. this is great. I love this. It's all the thoughts afterward that come, you know, that I, I, my, I, I can do a number on myself, you know, in that way. Well, that's a sin. Uh, you, you know what? I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I had that thought today. Like, I was dance. I was in a zoom dance class and i started judging the way i was moving mm-hmm. and i thought about that thing that you said um when you were in that ceremony and you were singing in sweat lodge the first yeah. time i sang at this new sweat lodge of course when i was finished the first thing that came to my mind was how was that was that good did they mm-hmm. like it mm-hmm. could i have done this better and i'm in church i'm in lakota <laughs> church and immediately i was like do not evaluate here that's not what this is about and i just Mm. i cut off from it Mm. and you know i don't do it perfectly but i try to just sing and let it go and not worry about anything because i feel like that's what spirit is asking and Mm. all of the any judgment or self-criticism is just god's not happy about that he's just what are you doing you know it's Mm -hmm. it's beautiful just do your thing just sing let it come through you Mm -hmm. that's it that's the end Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what it sounds or looks like. Just let it come through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had that, that moment today in my class. I, I just thought, Angela, it's a sin to judge yourself. Mm-hmm. So stop it. <laughs> and, uh, and I did. And then what came through my dance was, I mean, it was, it felt so... I mean, I, I I wasn't judging it. Just it just was what it was, and mm-hmm. it, it it felt so good to just allow it to be. Um, yeah. I mean, I I think this is part of the process of learning to let go of our self judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like to be able to see how much how often how harshly i judge myself it's going on i mean i won't say it's like 24 7 but it's going on a lot Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) it's just constantly evaluating you know Mm -hmm. and it's a it's a little you know i i guess maybe because i am meditating more which by the way ever since our last podcast where i talked about the qigong and tai chi Mm -hmm. i signed up for a an online Tai Chi Qigong class from this master in China. <laughs> wow, in China. Yeah. He's going to teach in Chinese? Well, he no, he teaches in English, oh. but 
he has the 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 accent which you would love right um but he's really good and it's it's interesting but it it's you know i'm i'm sitting and i'm i'm i mean i'm learning but then afterwards i just i do i go into meditation and i'm just you know trying to let myself breathe and and observe my thoughts mhm and i it's it's great it just makes me aware how much i'm thinking mm-hmm. <laughs> and what i'm thinking about and mm-hmm. so yeah it's crazy it is crazy it, it feels crazy yeah yeah well we're both neurotic <laughs> because we're are you, both are high, you high and- on the are you high on the neuroticism well, I, I took the I retook the test. They said you're only supposed to take it once, but I took it again, and my uh, it changed. This is the Jordan Peterson test, mm-hmm. by the way, it changed. It did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I went down on neuroticism. I'm still very high in trait openness. And what about op- agreeableness? Uh, I came down on agreeableness. What do you I mean down? More, like I, I was very very high. Meaning you high... Or, or, uh, sorry, very low in agreeableness. Right, low, right. So high in disagreeableness, I guess. Uh, but uh, no, I was kind of average for agreeableness. Oh, still, wow. uh Still uh, low in politeness. I was 1% politeness. I was proud of that. <laughs> very proud. That I managed to retain some of my disagreeableness. But I guess as I get older, I'm getting more agreeable right less neurotic Hmm. so it was interesting i i think i'm my i my guess would be i would be coming down on agreeableness but also less neurotic than i used to be right yeah i think it's just part of it when you're open to new experiences you, you, I think there's a tendency for neuroticism. That's mm. that's what the test says. That's what Jordan Peterson says. So, mm. oh, interesting. It's just part of the package because if if you're um, uh, you're high in trade openness, you're open to new experiences, and mm-hmm. new experiences take you into the unknown, into chaos. And of course, when you're in the unknown and in chaos, you tend to be a little neurotic. You're mm-hmm. unordered, so mm-hmm. your mind starts to go so it may it makes sense it's right it's the price you pay yeah yeah so i'm trying to bring more order to my life to compensate for that Mm. i'm not doing it but i'm trying well it's not true i am doing it actually i was uh i only have i have this one room in my house that's kind of a mess but everything else is pretty much in order I know where everything is. I'm not quite Maria Kondo, but I'm not so far off. So that feels good. Mm. So I got to get this one room taken care of. By the end of the year, I plan on having everything perfect. Everything organized and lined up for the new year. All my systems established. So I'm not thinking about anything. All my accounting, my yeah, all of it. There's just uh, everything in its place. Because I think... Things are going to get really, really busy, mm-hmm. and I don't have time to be looking for stuff or sorting through a mess or 
just even the, the you know the the how it affects your mind the chaos mm. you know the mm-hmm. the disorder externally creates disorder internally it's they're, they're mirrors for each other so um yeah i'm locking down on my systems it doesn't help having a, a long distance relationship unfortunately why well because when she's in town everything goes out the window kind of because mm. she's not in town that mm-hmm. often so it's a special time so i'm i'm trying to figure that out i don't i don't i mean i don't judge it i i let it happen but um it's just coming back like being is getting everything done while she's here which which i do although i missed a few things i didn't reply to a uh, client's text got in trouble for that <laughs> and, she, and and rightly so rightly right. so i just forgot to read an email just a few things i let i let slide but uh you know that but happens you're, you're in love i'm in love and this is i don't know I, I mean for as long as i've known you i haven't seen you in this state so mm-hmm. I want to I want to put a plug in for for you for for your clients you know to just right this is this is very new right thank you yeah and How? the one client said that she's like I'm sensing that you've got a lot going on that you are dating mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah she's she's pretty attuned uh-huh. <laughs> she knows what's going on right. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, no, it's, um, it's a lot. And I'm, so I'm giving that time, obviously. And I, and I want to give it time because it's, it's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want to, I want to, you know, I'm valuing it. So I'm, yeah, I'm letting some other things slide, I guess. And, and that's okay. Um, can you hold on for one minute? Of course. The okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're back from the bathroom and now you're going to. Grill me about being in love, I sense. Is that, is that where this is going? Well, I was just going to ask you how you're doing. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it's vulnerable to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I'm a little in a little contraction mm. right now just because she was here for 10 days and it was blissful mm. and just beautiful and loving and tender and sweet and open, very, very open. I feel like mm. I'm not hiding anything and doesn't feel like she's hiding anything. Mm. So that's nice. Is that... Um... Is that new? Like to, I think to, so. Mm-hmm. To feel yes, so it's be, new. So in all your in your other relationships, you've felt that you've had to hide parts of yourself. Yes. Mm. Can I ask, like, like what parts of yourself? Well, I think when I was hiding parts of myself, I wasn't even aware that I was doing it. Mm. Uh huh. I see. Right. But now I know myself a lot better than I used to. So, and I've accepted aspects of myself. So it's easier to share. 
But I guess what's been surprising is how open and non-judgmental she's been. Like, just received very easily. Mm. And, um, like, she'd be a great therapist. She's just, she's Mm. almost, like, curious and fascinated by everything that I reveal. Like, I don't, she doesn't take it personally. She doesn't take it on. She doesn't feel Mm. threatened. And maybe that's because a lot, for a lot of it, I've, I'm, I'm, reasonably integrated with with a lot of my shadow mm-hmm. and in acceptance of it so that probably helps i'm not defended because of course when you're defended the other person can feel it and it, it creates a, a vibration in them that makes them feel some discomfort because there's something there's just something there and uh they can you know misread it or misinterpret what it is you're saying, but when, when you're open, uh, it's, it's much easier for the other person to receive it. But, uh, but no, she's very, very open and that's, that feels great. Mm-hmm. feels like I can say anything. I mean, we had last time she was here, we, we fought a lot and it was uncomfortable and felt like a stalemate. And there was, Put, we were, there was demands being put on each other. You can't be this way. You can't be this way. This is unacceptable. This is unacceptable. That kind of thing. And we got through that. And that felt good. And then we had some other stuff come up on, uh, on the phone just before she arrived. There was just some things that I, I felt like I had to confront things I needed to say. And I wasn't sure if I was completely accurate or it was my stuff. You know, how can you be sure? But I needed to say it. I I Mm. could feel this place where I had to take the risk and say all these things. And uh, it was received Mm -hmm. and heard and responded to in 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 a great way. And uh, it just, yeah, brought us a lot closer. And I think we both, and it surprised me. Honestly, it surprised me. I keep mm-hmm. saying that it, she, she surprises me. I keep having this expectation that I'm going to be rejected or shamed or that I have to be something for her. And I mean, that, that's still there. I, you know, I have some stuff, mm-hmm. you know, with, like I had to be perfect for my mother you know it's that that thing I think we've talked about it but you know being the firstborn, my father not around I became the de facto man and had to take care of my mother's needs which of course I couldn't do so there's a feeling of helplessness I'll, I'll never be enough I can't possibly do this and then ultimately I was left by my mother left because she then started dating this other man and we were told that we had to behave, act a certain Mm -hmm. way so as not to offend him, which felt like a betrayal. And so that was a deep, deep hurt. And so I bring that to my relationships and I'm, you know, I'm working it out. I'm working it out. It's hard. It's hard for me to show the places where I'm unsure that I'm weak I'm needy, but I'm getting better at it. I'm, and sh- 
she's I've been received there, which is nice. She's not turned off by it. She's turned on by it. She mm. she's, she's you know she's accepting and it, it activates something in her. You know her compassion, her care, her tenderness, mm. and I'm receiving it, which is the other big mm. thing, because she's very very affectionate. And she's coming at me with a lot, a lot of love and affection. And I'm not used to that. Mm. I live, I've been living alone for most of my life. And so, but I've been receiving it. I've been really holding it. And that feels really good. And I don't feel like I'm violating my boundaries. I'm, I'm doing what I need to do and taking care of myself and saying what I need to say. So it feels very safe for me and I think for her and so that safety and that openness and that love creates a, a feeling of unlimited potential mm. which is what you want to feel mm-hmm. but yeah for now it's 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 long distance she's in Miami and she's there with her family and she's Got a family business, a couple of family businesses. Why you so warmy tea? <laughs> um, and uh, so there's there's business she's doing there, uh, literally and metaphorically. Uh, you know things that are being resolved within her family, and it feels really important to her. And it, I and I feels important feels important to me. Uh, I can see that it's. Uh, She's got to go through this, so uh, I'm trying to create the space for her there and not to feel threatened or make any demands. Um, and we'll see where it all goes. So there's there's a little bit of an unknown, but uh, I'm trusting. She asked me to trust, and at first I was like, "Fuck that!" And now I'm like, "Okay, yeah, I, I can trust trust you, trust this," and I can feel that once. I made the decision to trust something else opened up. You know, she it almost like she came closer. Mm. It's not almost like she did come closer, which is a really good lesson. You know, when we give people our trust, it's very intimate. Mm-hmm. And it draws them to you. And when you're not trusting, it pushes them away. So, I mean, you have it has to come from an honest place. You have to you know, you can't just fake it, but I, I, I'm not faking it. I, I am trusting and it feels good. And, you know, and I, I, I respect her. She's mm. really interesting and becoming more and more interesting. I mean, I know that's like not <laughs> very romantic. She's interesting, but it, it no, she's fascinating to me mm. and very different kind of person in some ways than I am, or at least mm. has a, a different orientation to the world, although, although there's tons of crossover. So we're learning from each other, and, and I appreciate her perspective. She's very in the feminine, and so that puts me in my masculine, which also feels really good to be in my masculine and to embrace that and to know myself there and to feel the dynamic between the masculine and, and the feminine and that polarity and let go of all judgments that I may have around that. So that, and that's also, it's very sexy. So it's very alive. 
So it's 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 powerful, and uh, I you know I can feel I feel shy right now talking about <laughs> it. It's vulnerable. It's humble. I'm humbled by it. But yeah, I, I uh, yeah I'm in love, and it feels really really good. It feels like everything in my life is going great. I mean, it's been a tough. It's been a tough five years. I've been lost. Mm-hmm. I was lost. Not exactly. I mean, I was busy doing things, but I came back to LA in I think the beginning of 2016. I think that's when it was, 2015, 2016, and uh, started going back on auditions and thought I'd get one more TV series, make some money, and then I'm out. But that didn't happen. My heart wasn't in it. And then I started doing all these ayahuasca ceremonies found community, kept wanting to go deeper, moved in with Tete, and then I was in this world, the ayahuasca world, the Shipibo world, and then I started working with Yoshi and going down the Lakota rabbit hole, and that opened up my relationship to God and to spirit, and now I see that I needed that. It was really important for my development, and that was really a four-year process. And then the time alone in Idlewild, a year and a half, more than that. And I just, I integrated, I think, a lot of that and got settled and ready and confronted a lot of demons, felt my despair, felt my self-judgment about not feeling like I'd done enough or had my life together. I'm single. I'm 50 years old. I'm single. I should be somewhere else. I should be further along. And it's really hard to confront all that. And now I'm here and everything feels like it's coming into alignment. It's come into alignment. I have a relationship with a wonderful woman that feels healthy. Uh, I have a, a a space now to work out of. And so that gives me a real sense of purpose and I have something to focus on. And I have a community here in Austin with uh, my Lakota people. And that's just been the biggest gift of my life. Mm. Next to Diana, of course. (laughs) But, uh, so my spiritual life feels fulfilled and complete and there's more to do there. So it just, everything feels good and right. And the path ahead of me seems straight and narrow and I'm not afraid of the narrow path. I think the narrow, the straight narrow path always scared me. It felt boring. I don't want to be in a straight and narrow path. I want to go wherever I want to go. I want the freedom to do what I want to do. And I did it. I did whatever I wanted. Mm. I just followed it. But now it feels like at my age, it's time to build something, to lay down a foundation and uh, uh, commit in every area of my life. And that's what I'm doing. And that feels right. And that feels good. And I don't feel afraid of it. Afraid of it. I feel actually like every the freedom that I've been longing for is in the commitment. It's through the deep commitment that I'm going to find the freedom. Such a paradox. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I knew that in my head. I'd, I'd hear that 
phrase before, but there was some place I always resisted it. And now I'm, I feel like I'm in that place where it's like, no, I'm ready to commit. And in that commitment, there's, there's lots of variability and openness and potential. And I don't know where anything's going, but it all feels exciting and alive. And I feel, yeah, I feel free. I feel very, very free and not wanting for anything. Mm. Exactly. I mean, there's some things I'm wanting, but I'm also trusting that they're all, everything's going to come. And the vision I got on my vision quest feels, it's anchoring me. Mm. It's like I have my mission statement. It's like I know what I'm doing, and that's holding everything that I'm doing. Mm. So that feels really powerful. There's no confusion at all when I'm anchored in that vision, in that message that I got. That feels so powerful to not be confused, to be on mission. Mm-hmm. Like to really feel, I mean, I, you know, I, so many people are wondering, what am I here for? What's my purpose? Why am I alive right now? Should I be alive? Maybe I don't want to be alive. You know, like there's... There's just a lot of that happening. Mm -hmm. So to actually hear someone say, I know what I'm here to do. Mm -hmm. So clearly and so without doubt. Um, Well, and it's the antidote to neuroticism. It's the mm -hmm. antidote to procrastination. It's the antidote to addiction. Mm. Because you know what you have to do. You just do it. Mm. And it's easy in some way there's no resistance you just you just do the work that's in front of you, you just take the next step you, you're clear the direction you're going in mm -hmm. you're not really having to think about anything anymore you're just doing you're just fulfilling this thing and then when you meet some resistance then you know it's time to, to check in again and maybe realign or change direction but I feel like I have the very least three years in front of me, probably more, that's just laid out. Mm. And we've got this space, okay? We've got to get some bodies in that space. That's it. There's nothing else to do. Let's get to work. And that feels exciting. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I wish this for everyone. I mean, th this is this is what we're doing, mm -hmm. right? To mm -hmm. to help people come to this place. I mean, to be to to embody it as much as we can for ourselves, and then mm -hmm. to to help people to to find their own mission and mm -hmm. truth and stand in it and their own narrow path. Yeah, and overcome their fear. And resistance, you know, mm -hmm. like when you said that, it's it. That's what I'm experiencing. There is an ease because of the lack of resistance in me, right? Or, or at least, you know, if there if resistance comes, I know how to work with it now. You know, yeah, in a way that that I didn't before. I wasn't even conscious of before. But 
yeah, that's that, you know, I really resonate with that, the, the ease. It's also helping people tolerate the chaos. Mm-hmm. Because there is an in-between stage. Mm-hmm. And I've been living it for five years. Mm-hmm. And there was lots of doubt and self-judgment. Mm-hmm. There was also some part of me that said, just trust it. You're going somewhere. This is part of something bigger. Just allow it. You don't know. And I remember I remember Tete. I'll never forget this. We, you know, Tete and I sometimes would just sit, me and him, you know, in the in the medicine room. He he would have a new batch of ayahuasca and come in from Peru and he'd want to test it before ceremony so he's like yeah you know you want to sit on wednesday or thursday and so we drink some ayahuasca just he and i in the back room and we you know he'd chant and I'd, I'd sing some songs and it was it was amazing it's just amazing to be able to do that with him in that casual a setting and i remember the one time he was chanting for me and then the chant ended and he just you know, Tete gets really close after the chant if he has something to say. And he often has something to say. It's like there's a message coming through. And it's what he says. I have There's a message coming through from spirit. And he, he whispers it in your ear. And he just said, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Hmm. And that went in. I let it go in. I was like, okay, okay. I mean, I needed to hear that in that moment. But I didn't hmm. always trust that. Now I do. Now I can see Mm -hmm. how important it was and how it's all coming together all that work that I did and the time I dedicated to it uh, it all it all yeah it all makes sense it's all coming together but yeah when you're in the middle of that chaos and uncertainty and unknown it's it's not easy Mm -hmm. so I think I want to also help people with that and I think the best way to help people with that is community Mm -hmm. you need people you need to be around other people. You need to have a place to go to be vulnerable and be seen there and express yourself and pray and uh, express your fears and have them be held by other people and to know that you're not alone in it, that everybody's going through this or has gone through it. And, and that feels like a big part of the mission that I'm on is to create community to facilitate lead in some way uh community Mm. so you said that you were in contraction in some way Mm -hmm. What, what does that mean for you well, you're, you know, 10 days in this bliss love state. I mean, we didn't have any disagreement or any tension. There was only one time where she was doing the laundry. This is a good story. And, and you know, she asked me, do you have any darks? Yeah, yeah. So I got the darks and she did the laundry. And then uh, she got the laundry out and then she put it on the bed and I came in to help uh her fold and she said oh there's more of your stuff on the top of the dryer 
And I felt this little like twinge, like, well, why don't you, why don't you get this stuff from the top of the dryer? And this goes to my old story of like, I'm very suspicious. Like, what's mm-hmm. she up to? Why didn't she do that? Mm-hmm. You know, it, like I felt like it was, like, it was something unconscious, something in the shadow. And I didn't like it. And I started telling myself the story. And then uh, it was a couple days later and she'd done the whites and the towels were still in the dryer. And for some reason, it just, it aggravated me. It's like, why, why didn't she fold the, the whites? What, what's going on here? And why are they still in the dryer? And, it, you know, and there was disorder, you know, because I'm out of my routine. I was just like, I need the dryer cleaned out. I need those whites folded. There's no towels in the... And I could feel I was spinning because I was up early. And so I was like, I got to go for a walk. I'm out of my mind here. And I wanted to I wanted to blame her. I wanted to judge her. I wanted to confront her. So I went for a walk. She was still sleeping. And... I uh, I worked through it. I calmed down. I started to feel this place in me that wasn't trusting, that, you know, it was too good, you know, it was too sweet. And I wanted to interrupt it. I wanted to make trouble. I wanted to start a fight mm. somehow. I couldn't hold all this love and tenderness and sweetness. And so I, but it was still, the agitation was still in me. And I was like, I think I'm, going to say something I have to say something and so I come back from my walk and she's up and she comes out of the bedroom and she says oh I forgot about the towels in the dryer I gotta get those what (laughs) what just happened she just forgot well, she just forgot, but she remembered in the moment that it uh-huh. was like stewing in my mind. Right. Which made me immediately think that we have a psychic connection, which mm-hmm. I think all couples do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she just forgot. Whatever. Who cares? I could have done it myself. Uh, but, and then she, uh, I come in and, and then she says, oh, and you still got some stuff in there. And she, so she goes in, she starts pulling out the whites and I walk into the laundry room and I'm like, could you, uh, could you, uh, handle my stuff? Could you fold my stuff for me? That was a huge risk for me Mm. to ask somebody to do my laundry. Yeah. I've been doing my own fucking laundry for 30 years. Nobody does Mm. my laundry. Right. So to ask her to do my laundry to, could you fold this stuff? I'm, you know, I've got a lot of clients today. It, it, it was a massive risk, and I was afraid I was going to be shamed. What, you think just because I'm the woman, I do the laundry, you know, whatever. And when I said it, you know, and we've been having this whole conversation about, like, ask for what you need. She's just ask for what you need. Whatever you need, just ask. I'm happy to do it. I don't trust that. I'm like, bullshit, you know, mm-hmm. in my own mind. That's not true. And she turns to me and she's like, oh, look at you asking for what you need and teases me (laughs) and grabs the laundry. She said, I'd be happy to. And Mm -hmm. then she brings into the room and uh, she starts folding it. She goes, well, I don't know where they go. You know, so maybe you can put them away. And then I'm annoyed again. Like, Mm -hmm. well, you know, fucking figure it out. 
And then I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just walk in there. Oh, well, let me show you where they go. <laughs> and she just, okay. Well, you know, walks in behind me. T-shirts go there and my jeans go there. The socks go there. And she's like, okay. Like no resistance, no, you know, I'm just, I, this is unfathomable to me. <laughs> that she's just like, okay. No resist, nothing weird is happening. It's all in my mind. The whole fucking thing is all in my fucking head. I'm just not used to, wow. I'm not used to that. I'm not used mm-hmm. to just saying, could you make me a cup of tea? I mean, that, that is unfathomable, unfathomable to me mm. to ask a woman to, to make me a cup of tea or could you cook me something? Could you make me something? And, you know, she's, when she's packing or she's busy, you know, some in the morning before her flight, she's always like, could you make me something, you know, while she's mm-hmm. packing, we're busy. And I'm like, yeah, of course. What do you want? I don't even think about it. But mm-hmm. if that was reversed, I'd be like, uh, do you think, could you like possibly, um, maybe just, if it's okay, make me some egg. I mean, I'll do the dishes, you know? <laughs> and, uh, so something's happening there that mm. feels really, really good. And, uh, I'm learning, Mm. I'm learning and I'm trusting. That's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, all of it that you are, that you worked it out for yourself, that you asked for what you needed and that she was so open to wanting to give it to you. Mm -hmm. You know, it just feels like a, a reparative experience. Totally. You know, you, you my guess is it's not going to be the same for you. It's going to, it's going to get easier. I hope so. I hope so. I I think it will. I I mean, I have to feel myself there. I have to feel that partnership and that place where we're okay doing things for each other and that, and to let go of the, uh, the expectation that she should read my mind. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, then the truth is, and and she knows this about herself. Um, you know, Diana's an artist, and she's often, you know, in her own mind, in her own head. She's a little dreamy, mm-hmm. and I think she just forgets sometimes. She's kind of lives in her own world and of creativity. It's a beautiful, beautiful world, mm-hmm. and she just forgets. It's not personal. She's not mm-hmm. trying to do anything. There's no agenda. She just forgets. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and not all that she remembers plenty of times, but so it's like to just go, okay, she needs a reminder. Could you remember? Can we, we have to leave at seven or whatever it is that I have to say that I can just gently remind her because, and she's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no, mm-hmm. no tension, no resistance. So obviously I've been wounded there. I've been mm-hmm. hurt there, felt rejected there. And so I have all, I have all kinds of stuff here. So it's, yeah, that feels exactly, it feels very reparative and I feel very grateful and I am trusting it. And I've seen that in other relationships. I'm like, that's amazing. Mm. I want that. And now I feel like I have it. Mm. And I feel like I can talk to her about anything. I mean, and I know there's, there's, you know, it feels like the, the analogy I've been using is that we have mastered this level of the video game. Mm-hmm. Right? right. Like we, we figured this out and now we're good and now we're at this level and there's levels ahead of us, but this level has been mastered. And mm-hmm. so there's a foundation there and that feels really good. So 
I, I mean, I, I just want to go back to the the contraction part. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Because I, I think it's important. I think it's actually an important part of the, the process that I just feel like, you know, I always um, consider this part, the contraction part of the healing process or the the process in general. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really important part that doesn't get talked about a lot. Yeah. And so I just want to... I, I want to know more about what it is for you. And, you know, so you just had this amazing experience with the person that you love and y- you had this reparative experience and, 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 and she doesn't live with you, you know, and yeah. you, and she's now back in Florida and you're, you know, you're by yourself again. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so what happens for you here? Well, I immediately feel the distance, and then I get I feel the the disconnection of that, and I think I retreat. I intuitively want to retreat back mm. to myself, and I almost want to like I don't really want to. There's some part of me that doesn't want to uh, keep it up, like talk to her or message her. Like there's this part of me that's like. I just need my own space now. I don't want to deal with anything. I just had this 10 days. It was wide open. And it's very unfamiliar to me. Mm-hmm. And and I need to integrate and process. And and also this part of me is like, was that real? Can I trust it? Like I the mind goes to to that place. Mm. I'm questioning it. Not really. But it, the, the the thoughts came, mm-hmm. and you know I, I I managed them because the experience was so strong. I I do believe it and I do trust it. But there was that part of me, the old part of me, that you know came up, especially when you know she left. I was very uh, moody the night before she left. Not not moody, but just I could feel myself disconnecting a little bit, and I think she was disconnecting a little bit because she started thinking about everything she had to do in Miami, so it was coming to an end and. And that didn't feel good that we're both disconnecting and, and, but we, we worked through that. We named it and, and, and that was, that was great. It's just part of what it is. Mm -hmm. But I guess I, yeah, there's a fear I'm going to be left that I'm less important Mm. than her family or, you know, her, what she's doing in her businesses and all of that, the little boy. I want all of her attention all of the time. And like, don't leave me. Don't leave me. It's like, stay, stay with me. Take care of me. You know, I think all of that came up. And, uh, and yeah, I just felt, uh, I don't know, the contraction was, I mean, it was subtle, but I felt tired. Mm. I felt a little, little irritable. And, I, you know, I know this place in me. It's just what happens when you have an expansive experience. You you contract a little bit, mm-hmm. and it can feel you can feel a little sad, a little uh, down. I didn't feel depressed, but my energy kind of dropped, and uh, I just took it easy. I just was like, just take it easy. And then we spoke, we've been speaking every, every day since she's been gone and they've been great conversations and, and I've 
you know, I'm really enjoying the connection and I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that, okay, this is that part of the relationship where we're on the phone. And that's been tricky too, because there's been, you know, the phone and through text, it's easy for there to be, to be miscommunication. Hmm. And so now that we've been, you know, we've ironed out a lot of things and there's a lot more safety. I'm, I'm not as worried about that. I'm not reading into things the same way. I'm not telling myself stories. And I'm also feeling this place like I want, I want to show up. I want to show up for the relationship and for her and that she needs things. Mm-hmm. And, and she asked for them and I want to give them to her. They're totally reasonable, you know, and I, I want to, and I want to do that. And you that's mean new she's for asking me. for things now, like in the in the separation. Or yeah, just she wants. To, she's like, I want. I need to stay connected. I mm. need messages from you. I need to talk. Like I, I, because mm. I can, I can disappear a little bit. Mm. Wow, I, good I, and for it's, her. Yeah, no, and it, and it's good for it's good for me. Good for you, right? But I think there's mm-hmm. some place where I I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm fearful or I'm doubting. I think I'm a big baby and I, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't like that she leaves. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) You know, you should be with me. Uh, You shouldn't have your own life. You should be taking care of my needs all the time. And so that baby part of me, I think I can, can can pout and withdraw a little bit. And, uh, you know, she just asked for more, more and, and it's good for me to give it. Mm Mm-hmm. What does that part of you need? Maybe just some affirmation. I probably just need to express it. And I did. You know, I let her, I, I mean, I went there, you know, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I, I just let myself feel everything the night before she left. I let myself feel like the part of me that's like, I fucking hate you. Fuck you for leaving. You know, um, I mean, I did it in a, in a, uh, a way that she knew what was going on and it was conscious. So, uh, but I let myself experience my, you know, anger, which which, you know, I hate you for leaving is actually very sweet because it's like, I don't want you to leave, you know, which is how she received it. And, uh, and let myself feel like the baby, like, mm. and I let myself have it mm. with, with consciousness. I, I didn't act it out. I, I actually just let myself feel it in her presence. And, and that, that felt good too. And she liked that, it. Right. And that, that part of you, it sounds like, it needs you to feel it. Yes. And to allow it to be expressed. Well, I would never, never express that with my mother. Mm. I would never say, I need you, or where were you, or I was hurt, I was disappointed. Like, they just, I just cut off from any place where I needed my mother. Mm. Sort of feel the place where I need her, like I want her. And when she's not there, I feel sad and mm. lonely and longing. And I have this childish demand for her to take care of me, to be with me, to reassure me, to, to let myself 
be with that and feel that I think is, mm. is healthy. And yeah, to, to know that part of myself and to let it be seen by her and to be held. Mm-hmm. Mm. But it's vulnerable because it's, it's not particularly manly or masculine, at least in the traditional sense. Although it's not she, your idealized image of yourself. Right. I want to be perfect and perfectly masculine and never have a need and be mm. okay with everything all the time. Is that what perfectly masculine means? Or I, just no, what, but what I think it has I have meant a, to you? Yeah, I think there's a, an image that I have there to be extremely stoic. But I'm let, letting go of that. I mean, she read this from the, you know, the pattern. She's very into the pattern app. I mean, she's, oh, into yeah. all, she's into all That's of it. That's the human design. Is that human design? Mm-hmm. The pattern? Oh, okay. So, you know, as soon as something's going on, she goes to all of her astrology, uh, Mayan astrology, numerology, the pattern, all of it, human design, and comes back with a report. <laughs> you know, a very detailed report. She's very thorough. I mean, she's she's deep in all of it. And it's always illuminating and it's always powerful. It's fucking weird how mm-hmm. spot on it was, but you know, she read from the pattern and it said that I am uh in the next literally 14 days uh going through this process of letting go of an old idea I had about what it means to be a man. Mm. So I was literally in the middle of that. Wow. And I could, I could feel it happening. Like, who am I if I'm, if I'm a loving, tender, gentle, kind, sensitive man who is able to express his vulnerability and need mm. without shame? Who am I there? I don't know. I'm finding out. Mm. And it feels good. Mm-hmm. feels really, really good. Because that's not how I met the world as a younger man. Mm. You know, I imposed my will on the world. I, you know, I tried to dominate it. And it worked. Mm-hmm. It worked pretty good. But uh, at but my age... it was age, a defense. It was a defense. And, and, and it's testosterone as well. It's, mm. it's young men, that's what they should be doing. I mean, it's, it's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I, th- I think that's right. But I'm not a young man. I'm, I'm 52, and I'm at a different point in my life, and it, I'm evolving into some something different. And so that part of me is still alive, but it's it's changing, and I'm changing, and I'm just starting to feel myself in this place. And it feels it feels good. I feel accepting of it. I feel the strength. I feel the I feel the power. I feel real power. It's a different kind of power than you feel when you're a 30-year-old buck who's just, you know, filled with energy and just wants to climb to the top of the mountain and nothing's going to stop him and nothing's going to get in his way. It's fun, and it's fun to feel that, you know, being an athlete, you know, hockey player or, or, you know, chasing my dreams in Hollywood. It's all part of the same thing. But now I am... uh, 
softening and, and letting things come to me, allowing and more feminine, more feminine aspects of myself are coming through and it feels right. It feels good. And it's vulnerable. It's vulnerable just to even say all of this to, to, to name it Mm. because my identity was wrapped up in that old self for so long. And now I'm here and now I'm, I'm someone new. Mm. It's like that old part of me is, doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. It's dead really. Mm. And I think there's also some grief and mourning about that. I think I've been doing some grieving and that's also, I think, part of what the contraction is about. Just mm-hmm. reconciling. I, I had some good times. I mean, I, had, it was, I was up in Idlewild all alone <laughs> in the mountains, living in the mountains for a year and a half. I mean, I was living the dream. And I knew it couldn't be forever. But I remember just thinking, what a gift to be able to give to yourself. You know, how, how incredible is this? felt so lucky, even though I, I felt, I didn't really feel lonely, but I, I felt a little isolated. And now I'm here and that's behind me and I have a lot of connection and community and a lot of work in front of me that's going to involve me being out and present and giving what I have to give. And I have to put myself out there. There's no hiding anymore. I got to go with what I have and go all the way and ride it to the end. My uh, years of wandering are over. Mm. It'll never be like it was. I'll never be free in that way, but I'll be mm. free in this new way as we talked about, but I'll ne- that will never, that, that, those sits with Tete in the medicine room, just me and him, that's never going to happen again. Mm-hmm. Not in the way that it happened. Mm-hmm. And that feels sad. And I doubted I was going to get here. I wondered. And I felt that, you said earlier. Like I, I felt that up in, in Idlewild. I'm like, felt the despair. Felt the, felt if I died today, how would you feel about that? You know, I confronted it. And I was like, well, you lived a pretty fucking interesting life. That's for sure. You did what you wanted. And I, I made peace with it. I was I was proud of myself. I was proud of the way that I lived and all the things that I that I'd done. But I was judging myself for being single. What the fuck is wrong with you? Mm. And uh, now that I'm here, I feel like oh, I got a lot of work to do. <laughs> there's, there's a whole 
second, third act, whatever, wherever I am, third act, I guess, of my life that's uh, ahead of me. And I have a feeling it's going to be great and -hmm. exciting and fun and alive. And I'm in my legacy years, right? This is when you build your legacy. Like, who are you? What do you want to leave behind? What do you have to say? What have you learned and how can you share it? What can you teach? You know, I'm, I'm in, I'm, it's paternal, you know, whether I have children or not, I'm in, in the paternal energy, the father energy, you know, I'm no longer here to achieve my own success or, or I mean, you, you focus on giving, you focus on supporting, you focus on teaching and everything that you want just evolves out of that Mm. right but it's not focused on me the same way Mm -hmm. whereas when you're a young man it's me me i want what i want i'm gonna go get it and this is different you know i'm i have to be in leadership i have to help guide and support just like a father would you know people have children and they realize instantly my life doesn't belong to me anymore the same way. Like I'm here to now serve these children. And that's Mm. also what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. I'm here to serve now. And that's a relief. Mm. Get out of your own fucking ego and desires and wants. Just, okay. It's it's a lot easier. Just show up and do your best and and see what happens. Yeah. And you had to, you had to you had to go through everything that you went through in order to serve in the way that you you are serving now in the way that you really want to serve i guess i'm just thinking about people it's it's a very the idea of service mm-hmm. can be taken in a way that isn't really service yeah. do you know what i mean um but in the way that you're talking about it, it feels very organic. Like mm-hmm. it came from allowing yourself to have all of your desires and, and you know, going in that direction and, and then, you know, kind of going into the despair of that place. And um, yeah, so I, I really hear that part of your experience being a necessary part uh, of allowing you to get to this place. Yeah, I have no regrets. Mm. I feel in deep acceptance of all of it. Mm. And I see the intelligence in it. And of course, I was unconscious and I acted out and made, I guess you could call them mistakes, but I was just working stuff out and and that's i think the thing that i'm most proud of is that i ultimately i was following my life i I maybe didn't feel connected to god in the way that i do now but i was following something some Mm. inner instinct and i made that my god Mm. and i didn't betray it very often i mean i may have but i never uh, at times but i never lost hold of it and it never pulled me all the way back in there was resistance and struggle but i stayed on the path i stayed on my Mm -hmm. path 
And that feels good. Mm. Well, once again, Angela, we've been going for two fucking hours. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ, you talk a lot. <laughs> oh. Obviously, I'm, I'm kidding. It was... I think it was good. Was it? I, I, in in some ways, I think we're in somewhat similar places. Yeah. You know? And, you know, I told my story. You told yours. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, now, you know, it's like when you said, you know, you, you made these mistakes. I was like... I think we have to get ready to make to be making some more mistakes. <laughs> um, you know, we're you and I are about to embark on uh, a partnership of our yes. own, and um, you know, I think that there are probably things that are going to come up, and we'll see what happens. What you, you mean, know? between us? Yeah, of course. We're going to work it out on the podcast. Uh, yeah. Uh oh. Fuck. <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah of course we we just have to keep putting ourselves out there and then the environment will give us feedback and we'll we'll adjust Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i can already feel like there's things i'm i'm missing i'm not seeing and it's inevitable right exactly Mm -hmm. it's okay yeah it's okay i feel i i'm i'm excited Mm mm-hmm you know, mm-hmm. I'm glad we're getting Anne's equipment. Yeah, I, that that feels good. She said there's some good juju in it. <laughs> I said, yeah, there's a lot of, and then in brackets, I think. I was like, no, no, <laughs> there's some bad juju too, but right. <laughs> we'll take that as well. It it feels meaningful somehow. Yeah, it really, it's our lineage. Yeah, it makes me feel like we're we're carrying on her work and. Which we are. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad to uh, be having uh, some of her equipment in our new space and her support. And I'm sure f- she feels good about that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Angela. Okay, David. Thank you. Thank you.